Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Inclusive Class Podcast, the weekly podcast for teachers, parents, and communities who envision an education system where all students are treated equal. Together with top experts in the field of inclusive education, we offer tips, advice, and solutions for including students of all abilities in today's classroom. Now, here are your hosts, Nicole Eredix and Terry Morrow. Good morning, and thank you for joining us on the Inclusive Class Podcast. I'm Nicole Eredix, and I'm one of your hosts for the show. I'm a parent, teacher, and creator of the online resource, The Inclusive Class. And this season, we are bringing you a new and improved version of the Inclusive Class podcast, which includes a weekly virtual roundtable discussion with a panel of notable guests and my co-host, Terry Morrow. Good morning, Terry. Hi, Nicole. I'm Terry Morrow. I'm the About.com expert on parenting special needs at SpecialChildrenAbout.com, and I'm also the author of 50 Ways to Support Your Child's Special Education and the parent of two young adults with special needs. And, um, Terry, we are talking this week. We've got uh, um, Lori Swanhunt with us, who's a returning guest. And we also have a new guest, Gary Brucker, with us, uh, who's calling in from British Columbia, Canada. And he is joining us this morning. Gary is uh, Program Director for Courage of Youth Association based in Kelowna, British Columbia, Canada. And he's a passionate speaker, um, educator, facilitator, who helps people of all ages live life to the fullest. And for over 20 years now, he's been helping put practical tools in youth and parents' life toolboxes. And he's also a dad to three teenage girls. So I would say he has some very practical, (laughs) realistic experience (laughs) to to, uh, help us with our discussion today. And then, of course, we've also got Lori here, as I mentioned earlier. And Lori is the founder of Ollie Bean, an online community and resource for parents of... um, Individuals with Disabilities, and if you aren't familiar with Ollie Bean, Ollie Bean's mission is to provide the resources to empower parents of children with disabilities with the knowledge they need to successfully advocate for their child at an early age, nurture their child's self-advocacy skills, and educate them about the disability community through the work of people with disabilities, and it's a fabulous site. If you haven't had a chance to check it out, it's ollibean.com. So uh, with that, uh, our introductions, let's, um, let's just sort of catch up and see what's been happening this past week. Uh, what's been happening on your end, Gary? What have you been doing? Well, good morning. Thanks for having me on your uh, roundtable this morning. Um, Happy to have you. Our, uh, our organization is Courage for Youth at www.courageforyouth.com. Um, we, um, we work in public schools and with organizations and with private schools, but largely we run two main programs, and that's what I've been busy both marketing and facilitating over the last few weeks, is uh, a program called SCREAM, which Mm -hmm. is uh, really a a character-building and leadership program in classes. And so as we go into classrooms, marketed mostly to and targeted at grade sixes and grade sevens, um, Mm -hmm. we, uh, we work with the inclusive classroom, and we work. Uh, it's about 15 hours of curriculum, all jammed into one week, in terms of their uh, really work on in intelligence, emotional intelligence for for kids. Mm-hmm. And then our other program, Voices, is actually at a grade 
grade five level, and uh, we're just going to mark or just going to start our first pilot project for a boys program. But we've been running a girls program for a number of years now in relational intelligence for girls, and we're going to do the same thing for boys. Nice. Sounds like something that'd be very useful. So that's great programs you've got going. Lori, what have you been doing? Well, we have, um, you know, it's busy. We have three kids and um, uh, just the typical fall stuff. And um, Henry is, um, again, preparing to present at TASH in December. So that's exciting. And I'm presenting with him. And um, uh, my husband spoke at our school board this week about some issues we've been having. And I'll post that online. And he did a great job. Um, Wow. You know, our school district is so big. It's the eighth largest district in the country. And so right. uh, it's it's it was the first time he'd ever spoken there. And um, it it's a big organization. It's a $3 billion organization. So mm-hmm. um, we're really hoping to, to, you know, spread the word about inclusion in our district. Mm-hmm. And, um, mm-hmm. and my husband spoke about some other issues, but I think that he um, – uh, I think you did a great job, and I am excited for people to see it, so I'll post it online soon. But Good. I'll look forward to reading it. Yeah. yeah. Great. Thank you. And, Terry, what about you? Well, I'm I'm coming up on a couple of really big anniversaries. Um, on this day 20 years ago in 1994, uh, my husband and I left on a trip to Russia in, in which oh. we adopted our two children. We were in Russia uh, the entire month of November and came back on wow. December 1st. So it was like a lot Congratulations. Month, but our souvenirs wow. were pretty excellent. So that's what yeah. started me on this uh, this road to special needs uh, advocacy. And uh, it's I, I can't believe it's been 20 years, but um, yeah. that's, that's a really big anniversary for our family. And also, wow. you know, oddly enough, it's also the 10-year anniversary of me starting to do the About.com Parenting Special Needs site. I started that in November of 2004. So uh, November has a lot of... Uh, a lot of resonance to me here for my uh, my special needs work, and uh, mm-hmm. you know, always you always think you will get to that place where everything will make sense and you will know what you're doing. And uh, mm-hmm. the further you get into parenting and into you know advocacy and into to writing about something you care passionately about, you realize you never mm-hmm. really get there. <laughs> you know? yeah. um, there's always some new challenge. There's always some new thing. You know, the special needs community is particularly volatile right at the moment. And so it's getting more and more challenging to to try to find a way to write about it that you're not going to offend somebody. But, um, Mm -hmm. you know, it's still I'm happy to be here and have this platform to do it, and I'm happy to still be living this adventure with my kids. So, uh, you know, looking forward to uh, another 10 and 20 years. I I often say lately, the more I think I know, maybe I don't know anything at all. You know, (laughs) with with as fast as things move, and 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 there are no either two kids or situations that are the same, and so Mm -hmm. it's it's a it's a daily learning for me, both as a parent, as an and as an educator. Definitely, definitely, and that's what makes it that's what makes it fun. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I, I kind of feel like I'm saying goodbye to one of my own children this week as we <laughs> as we finish up our podcast with Log Talk Radio. Yes, <laughs> the difficult <Woo>! child. <laughs> um, yeah, that that's been my week. We've been uh, um, I've been busy finding a new home for our podcast. So, for those of you that are listening live, this will be our last 
show live show with Blog Talk Radio, and uh, you can visit my website, theinclusiveclass.com, to find out where our podcasts are moving next to. So um, all of our past podcasts will stay archived with Blog Talk, but we are hoping to bring you a more professional-sounding podcast. <laughs> As we expand our horizons. Wait a so. minute. It's, I'm still going to be on it, though, right? Professionals <laughs> <laughs> down the oh, podcast. Perhaps we need to ditch me too, Nicole. Are you dancing? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah. Those of you who have enjoyed all the uh, the hang-ups and the uh, the echoey sounds and the you know the the stuff that makes it sound like we're brewing this up in our basements. Um, <laughs> We apologize to you. No, we thank <laughs> you, you for hanging in there the with game us. Of what is going to happen next on this podcast? <laughs> oh yeah, no, it's we're been keeping an you, Terry. We're, we're we, we, you're definitely. <laughs> you gotta with still us. have a few rough edges, right? Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, keep things light. It's great. It's awesome. So we'll yeah. we'll we'll uh, we'll we're moving on to uh, to. Um, other pastors, so we'll let our <laughs> listeners know um, on my website where we're going. But, but yeah, this podcast so, is not going away, just the platform. That just the platform, yes, just the platform. We are here to stay. You're not getting rid of us. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, yeah, no, so speaking of moving on, uh, we are going <laughs> to be exactly. talking – yes, I know, try, try and come up with something new every week, but I don't um, – <laughs> We are we're going to be talking about the practice of inclusion today as being more than a program and something that uh is more than a class that's offered down the hall in another room which is something I hear a lot of that happens that yeah we've got we've got an inclusion we've got inclusion in our school it's in the classroom down the hall <laughs> so um and it, there's so much more to it and I don't know if uh, people have had a chance to read any of the articles that I've had on my site recently, especially a couple by um, Gail Hernandez, who used to be or was on our podcast earlier on. Um, she talked a lot about the foundation of inclusion being something that is an attitude and a belief system and something that needs to be fostered in classrooms uh, as a basis for inclusion. And, um, you know, because we're really looking at inclusion as a fundamental belief system that drives inclusive behavior or the desire to want to include. So how can we um, do this, promote this, keep doing it? Why do we want to do it? Why do we want to look at inclusion as more than a program? What what do we need to do to encourage inclusive behavior and inclusive attitudes um, is our question this week. And Gary, why don't you start us off and maybe explain a bit about what you do and, and what you think about this topic? Well, our organization actually started... Uh over 10 years ago as one that was, uh, in terms of relational aggression issues, in terms of bullying, and as we started to look at the statistics and the research, finding out that bullying programs, anti-bullying programs, r- really weren't successful, really are not mm-hmm. very successful built to today. And, yeah. um, and our belief that there's something more fundamental than an anti-bullying program. We're talking about character of people. We're talking about giving people the skills to be able to uh, be emotionally and, and, and uh, well, really emotionally intelligent for life is what we're talking mm-hmm. about. And the number one skill we believe, which not only uh, when we talk about inclusion, but whether we're talking about anti-bullying behavior, is really about empathy. 
is really yeah. about how, how do we foster empathy in children and adults uh, mm-hmm. for a lifetime. And we very much sort of follow Daniel Goleman's Four Steps of Emotional Intelligence, where you know yourself, you honor yourself, you know others, and you honor others. And mm-hmm. also under the belief that the more we can get people to practice, that's what they do. And so our programs are built on, uh, along the lines of giving kids really practical ways to practice empathy with other children, teaching some adults along the way. I love working with adults because often when a school will say, we've got a lot of problems, and uh, <laughs> we'll work with the kids, and then I'll do a parent night, and I'll go, oh, yeah. I know exactly why you have a lot of problems. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, so what the what we really have come to see is what the child practices, the child really does. And so if we can do more practicing of empathy, both kid to kid and adult to kid and I uh, we really have come to see that it has some lasting effects on how people treat one another and how they include them not only in the classroom but on the playground and other places. Mhm. And we're not talking empathy as in feeling sorry for one another. It's no, more of an understanding. An understanding. Yeah. yeah. It, when when somebody can, I mean, that's also the, you know, when we talk about bullying today and cyberbullying, in the grade 7 classroom last week that I was working with, I mean, I asked the question very bluntly to them, why do you think cyberbullying is, is so easy for some people? And one little girl looked up at me and she said, because they don't have to look in my eyes and see how much it hurts. Uh-huh. Very true. It's very true. And so one of the, the things that we do is try to help kids see each other in different 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 eyes and to understand how they feel and to understand then also identifying their own feelings and the whole thing and how to how to respond in appropriate ways to each other. Mm-hmm. Gosh, Gary, I think that, that um the empathy part of it is so key to, to every component of the universal design about thinking about if if I were like, I just use this as an example about um, um, a person was talking about that she needed captioning at at the school board meeting mm-hmm. and that she needed it all over and I, I, I was asking this director to just put yourself in, in her position for one minute and think about if, if you were relying on that to access this meeting you would just put yourself in that person's position for a minute and, and mm-hmm. empathize with them. Not sim- not you're not feeling sorry for it, but just yeah. really put yourself there. And what would you what would you need or want or wh- how would you want to be treated? And if we can really do do that for each other, I, every aspect of our schools and our communities are going to be better. Absolutely, mm-hmm. yeah. mm-hmm. such a key component. Yeah, and yet it is absolutely. also one that that is in many places a lost art skill. Uh, especially as we talk about uh, technology and texting and the way yeah. we communicate with each other, we we can do it with so little empathy because we don't do a lot of face-to-face communicating. I mean, even as we talk today, I would have loved to seen your faces as we were talking. But that's mm-hmm. something, I mean, the wonders of technology also become a downfall at some point. And we even know that brain development development is showing us what technology is doing. And that frontal lobe is developing later in and in ways which is not uh, which is not allowing us to to cue in on some things like we're talking about right now in terms of emotional intelligence and inclusiveness uh, behavior in terms of empathy skills. So, right, Gary, what is one way that they, that you have the kids practice empathy? I mean, what um, are those just it's it just built into the curriculum where they have um, 
I'm just curious about the. It just sounds so wonderful, your program. Well, we we actually we start our our week of uh, our Scream Week with kids uh, doing the Strength Explorer Survey, which is a sort of junior version of, of Strength Finders, and so they identify their strengths. And even kids that have been in classes with each other for a while, they come to recognize that uh, we not on their own strengths, but they start to see strengths in other kids that they may have never seen before. And yeah, we actually do awesome. something called called speed strengths, where it's kind of like speed dating, but they have to spend 15 seconds with another student telling them where they've seen their strength at work <clears throat> and and uh, and how it made them feel. Mm-hmm. And But throughout the, every day of this curriculum, they're, they're asked to do some s- sort of self-reflective behavior that, that they then are going to share with somebody else. We're finding even boys are... They're on board with this. And so when they have to share that and look in somebody else's eyes and have somebody else then speak back to them what they heard and how they think that it it would feel to have experienced that, you start to experience something in a new way. It's so great because you're not isolating, okay, here's how we're going to empathize with these special kids. And it's a a group. Yeah. Absolutely. And 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 that's what we have seen. Different things. Okay, here's how where you single out the person that it has a disability, which is horrible. Mm-hmm. You know, it, yeah. it 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 does the opposite. But if everyone's working on it, it helps everyone. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I yeah I I just kind of want <clears throat> to also expand on that a bit from a, a teacher point of view. Um, the schools that I've worked in that are have been fully inclusive have always had some sort of social skill instruction embedded in the curriculum or in the program. And so, for example, uh, it's not just, you know, core curriculum that you're teaching. You also have a social a social skills or a social-emotional side um, that is addressed. And you actually carve time out in your day to address that with the kids. And if you're starting that young and in kindergarten when kids enter school, and you're carrying that through a school every day of every year, um, You, the kids get that practice, like Gary said, and they see uh, the modeling of inclusive behavior so that it does become a belief and an attitude and something that is just natural to one another. Uh, and, and I think, and unfortunately, you know, when I see my daughter go off to school, she's learning to read, write, do math, social science, PE, yeah. but... I don't know what she's getting in terms of social skill or social development at school other than just the, you know, interaction between the kids at recess and lunch, which is largely unsupervised, obviously. But, um, yeah, I, I think that it's, you know, it, it may sound airy-fairy to to some people that, you know, um, that, you know, that this is this is something that has to happen. But I think it's legitimate. It's true. I've seen it work. There definitely has to be... Uh, you know, those social skills, the emotional development, that needs to be addressed. That has to well, be part at least, at least of the At least here in Canada, many school districts and, and provincial jurisdictions are now putting it right into the curriculum. The problem is yeah. how do we teach it and what is the proper curriculum to be able to do it. And the amazing thing is at, at preschool level, at kindergarten, even in grade one and two, almost inherently because they're learning so many things, it's built into what the teachers are doing is what we're finding in terms right. of some of those social-emotional uh, competencies. But right. then somewhere along right. the line, academics takes over, and we forget that we still need to learn yeah. some life skills along the way. And yeah. uh, that that's where I think we, we just drop the ball. We drop the ball in opportunities every day to say, this is more about a sub than, than just a subject matter. This is more about yeah. learning a topic 
this is about training people and equipping them for life. And mm-hmm. and and we when we disconnect those two, we we're in danger of losing exactly what you're talking about. Some basic. See, I've, I've been on I've been on the other end of this. I'm interested to hear you say that because having a kid growing up in self-contained classes there's a certain point at which they abandon the academics and focus solely on the life skills. Oh, yeah. And that's always been a sore point for me because, yeah. you know, it's and I hear parents say this, I don't care if he learns algebra. What's he ever going to do about algebra? I want him to learn how to cook. I want him to learn how to, and it's like, well, why can't he learn both? You know, it's like mm-hmm. I want to, I'll teach my kid how to cook at home. I need, yeah. I want him yeah. to learn algebra in school. But it's just like, oh, there's no functionality to that. We're only about what's yeah. functional. So, you know, there's there's a lot of things in each of these systems that if we could combine them, it would be... Oh, I know. to be getting both ends of that. Yeah, that it's instead of diverging so sharply. You know, I've been thinking a lot about this topic and having trouble thinking what I wanted to say about it because, you know, my experience, my kids' experience with inclusion has been so imperfect and, you know, my son's experience in self-contain. I mean, he was in that class down the hall <laughs> that you were talking yeah, about earlier. Yeah. And it was not entirely bad. You know, there were good things about it. Uh, being being part of a group was good. He, you mm-hmm. know, he got a lot mm-hmm. out of being with his, his tribe, so to speak, whereas my daughter, who went into an inclusion classroom, never sort of found her group again. Uh, and so was somewhat isolated, I felt, even though she was in the white. You know, she should have been, yay, this is a victory. She's included. But she was not included in that sort of fundamental way of, you know, having your group. So, um, you know, in thinking about what inclusion ideally is, I think it can be about having more, being allowed to have multiple identities in your school and to have multiple circles. You know, I think of a typical kid, they are part of their neighborhood circle, they are part of their classroom circle, Mm -hmm. maybe they're a part of a gifted circle, maybe they're in band, maybe they're in sports. They have a certain group of friends here. They have a certain group of friends there. There's a lot of circles going on for that kids at school, whereas for kids who are not included, you know, I don't feel like the purpose of inclusion should be getting kids with disabilities away from other kids with disabilities, which is often the way the rhetoric goes, because there is value to being with other people who have your same mm-hmm. same situation. You know, certainly we've seen the disability community blossom in a way that shows how empowering it can be when you band together. So I mm-hmm. think it can't be about breaking that up, but I think it can be about adding more to it. You know, yeah. I have my, you know, my friends with disabilities. I have this group, choice. I have this other group, and it's a choice. You know, I, I so often inclusion becomes taking one kid out of the self-contained class and throwing where they were, where they had some roots, and throwing them into a place where they're kind of like a guest. So, mm-hmm. you know, we need to build on circles rather than breaking them up. Uh, and I think that's an exciting thing, and I would love to see that happen, you know, that you, that you be able to keep your identity and add more rather well, than Well, I think that, that goes hand-in-hand hand with what, what Gary was saying in terms of identifying students' strengths. I mean, I love that, you know, that mm-hmm. you, you learn things about other kids that you wouldn't necessarily know, and you're allowed to expand and find out what other kids are doing, and, you know, I think that's, that's definitely the goal of an inclusive classroom is to, you know, bring kids together and to foster those friendships and those relationships between one another. Um, mm-hmm. It's definitely not a, you know, well, you're here with us now, you're going to stay with this group. and you Absolutely. Know, yeah, quite often yeah. I've heard 
people say that as that as as the way we're doing inclusion, you know, no, you can't be with those other kids. With the, you, know, you can't be with those other kids with disabilities. You have to be in this group. If we let you be with other kids with disabilities, it's not inclusion. And it's like, well, mm-hmm. sometimes you can be <laughs> if you want. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes you can be. You know, it shouldn't be an either or. No, um, and yeah, I think in know, that the either you're really mainstream or you're there. Yeah. I think in a really inclusive school, there wouldn't be those separate classrooms ever. Right. So you would have, mm-hmm. you know, you would have that natural proportion, and, and your friends mm-hmm. would be your friends. And it isn't yeah. there. There wouldn't you wouldn't even have a, to choose from a separate anything. And that, but yeah. I, I love what Gary was saying about these strengths and really seeing it gives these kids. And it's interesting that those. Um, uh, the social emotional is developed more when they're younger, but when kids really need it in those middle school years, when they're feeling mm-hmm. most vulnerable, all kids, yeah. um, that you you get to see your classmates as complex, you know, whole individuals with all of these, and learn about them. I, I just think it's it's so key and mm-hmm. um, and could really help um, make inclusion. Um, a lot easier for people to understand because they see the person. So you see the myriad of um, complexity in every human. And I wonder, Gary, how do you like? So if a teacher doesn't understand this yet, or the um, the are most of the school cultures that you're dealing with are they already um, practicing this, or you're you're teaching everyone there, or? Well, it's, it really is dependent on the school. I mean, most schools that are open to having us work with them either see a need or are already on that road and just mm-hmm. want some additional tools for their, for, their, uh, for their students and their teachers and their parents. There are definitely schools that sort of just see this as an add-on and something that they should be doing but really don't know how it fits in. And there's nothing worse for me than spending 15 hours with a, a, a class, a group of students, building that kind of... Um, rapport, getting them some skills, only to have the teacher come back. We do four-month checkup. Well, they come back four months later and really know that the teacher just saw that as a one-week break. <laughs> for right. Rather than actually taking right. this as an opportunity for changing the climate in the classroom, changing the climate in the school, uh, helping these students to then build on what we've done during the week that we're there. Those teachers mm-hmm. that take that and those administrators that take that seriously, I know the minute I walk back into that classroom four months later what's been done with the material that we worked mm-hmm. with those kids on. Mm-hmm. And I know when those kids are speaking back to me in the language that they're using and when they tell me what changes they've seen in their classroom environment, uh, what's gone on. One of the things near the end of our week with the kids that we do is have them build based on the things that they learn the week we're with them. On the last morning, they'll build our commitment to this community. And they come up with four, five, six things that they will help enforce in their classroom setting. It's basically about uh, social-emotional intelligence, how they're going to respond to each other, how they're going to hold each other accountable for how they, what language they use when they're talking to each other. You've got to remove the word hate out of their vocabulary. Um, Mm -hmm. On the Thursday of our program, Every student in the class is asked to write one positive word, uh, words that build up rather than words that tear down, recognizing other mm-hmm. strengths on each one of their classmates in a washable felt marker. Uh, and so you have all these kids with these different 
new wonderful labels that their classmates have written all over their arms and their hands and sometimes their faces. We take pictures of those. That's what goes up on their screen bulletin board so they can see on that day what those other kids were willing to say in a positive way about them. These kids do not want to wash the felt markers off their bodies. Right, oh, right. That's so great. No, no. Such a positive experience. And, you know, we, we do work in inclusive classrooms where where there are, are students, well, every student is different to begin with, but where there are students of varying abilities. And as those students feel a part of this program, again, probably the biggest smiles on their faces come from their classmates writing words of value, words that add value to their life on there that they see in in them. And uh, it's amazing. It's amazing to watch what happens. And I think, you know, Gary, you're using your your um your program as a as a very wonderful specific example um in terms of bringing out the best in these kids and I, mm-hmm. there's just such tremendous value i think in you know even if if teachers and parents did not have access to a program like yours i think there's just such value in um you know as i mentioned earlier just practicing and talking and role modeling uh skills like empathy as you pointed out which is so huge <laughs> in terms of um, relating to one another and including one another. So, you know, I think there's so many ways of, yeah, of going about that and, and addressing it and why it's so important. I don't know, Terry, do you have any more thoughts on that? You're very quiet on the other end. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think I, I, think I have to uh, process a lot of this stuff. I don't know. I'm still... You know, I, I think it sounds good. I think it's it's uh, not so easy to do in practice on a daily basis with all the stuff that schools have to deal with. So we need to continue to spread the message and and think about how to mm-hmm. do. But as as you uh, you know, the, the the exercise of saying nice things about your uh, you know a particular ch- kid in the class. Uh, my daughter's uh, I think seventh grade English class did that, and she still has that piece of paper with all those good things people mm-hmm. wrote about her up on wow. her wall like 10 years later now. So, yeah, you know, that is great. a really meaningful exercise and uh, something that's, you know, as it, as it happens, it was just being done just as she was kind of bailing out of an inclusion English class and going into a resource room class, which is, you know, something that I didn't want to happen, but that she really, really did. So, uh, you know, it's, it's, we want such things for our kids, and we want them to do the most ambitious thing, and we want them to have what we feel is the best, uh, the best environment. Uh, but we're not mm-hmm. the ones who have to be sitting there in the classroom, right, you know. Right. And I found out in her case that that she wasn't able to handle at least the way they were doing it at that time, and she was going into a more, uh, you know, ex- what's the opposite of inclusive, <laughs> a less inclusive environment. But she mm-hmm. still took this thing that these kids had written about her and and just, you know, has kept that with her all this time. So it did have value. And uh, mm-hmm. so. I really like the image that you that we've been talking about in terms of the different circles. I think that's powerful. And I mm-hmm. think that uh, th- there's a lot to, uh, to explore there in terms of, allowing people to come together with their circles and also being mm-hmm. able to free move within their own circles. We all need that, even as adults mm-hmm. in our own communities. Absolutely. I think it's a really powerful yes, image. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. and 
I, you know, I think maybe that's a good place to, to wrap up our discussion. There's certainly more to, to say about it, but I, I have to think and process through some of this stuff, and I'm sure that we all do too. So that's it. Uh, going to be it for this week's episode of the Inclusive Class Podcast. I would like to thank our guests for the discussion and our listeners for tuning in. Please join us again next week when our topic will be parent and teacher partnerships. In the meantime, you can follow us on Facebook or look for us on Twitter, where Nicole tweets under the name inclusive underscore class. I am at Mamatude, M-A-M-A-T-U-D-E. Uh, Lori is at Olibean, O-L-L-I-B-E-A-N. And you can find Gary at his website, courageforyouth.com. And finally, you can download our past podcasts for free on Blog Talk Radio and iTunes. Don't forget to go to Nicole's site, uh, inclusiveclass.com, and find out where you can get the podcast next week. It will be, we hope, in a different and uh, less uh, less glitchy venue. So, uh, so let's see if, for the last time, if I can play the outro music, and we say goodbye, and everybody have a great week. Goodbye, everyone. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.